podcast where we are talking this over the next couple of weeks about social justice and the importance of it. Um, I, you know, I got to recently sit down with a friend of mine uh, over the last few years, Kevin Shilton, who's kind of stretched and pushed, and it's, it's been really big on his heart, and God's laid this topic on his heart, and he's studied the biblical, the biblical uh, importance of social justice, and that does not just mean social justice as far as ethnicity, but that includes everything from gender rights to women equality, um, women's rights, uh, women preaching, whatever it is, social justice is a, a much bigger scheme than, than just one thing. But this conversation is going to make some of us uncomfortable, it's going to stretch some of us, some of the times we're going to go, oh, well, he's just talking about this or that, or um, he's talking about, you know, whatever it is. But we need to listen. And that's the important part of whenever we talk about social justice, I think the biggest misconception is we need to be talking and I think sometimes we just need to listen. Uh, so as throughout the process of this interview, I will let you listen. I'll highlight a couple of things that he said. I really want you guys to hear the importance of some of the stuff that's being said and, and kind of what what he's getting at. Now, if you're wondering where I'm going with this as a biblical point, where Kevin would go with this as a biblical point, biblically, you can look at the Old Testament and you can look at the Israelites in Exodus coming out of Egypt and the fact that Pharaoh had Israelite children under a certain age murdered you can look at how they were treated you know they were slaves they were treated differently right they were they were thought of as different they were thought of as below Egyptians even though they weren't um, but that's how they were thought of, right? And, and and the importance of words. I want you guys to understand that's part of social justice, the importance of our words that we use and we say and, and how we describe people, whether it's an ethnicity, a gender, whatever it is. And Kevin makes some really good points throughout this interview. So a little background about Kevin. Kevin has been my friend for three years. Uh, he's pushed me spiritually scripturally he's challenged me i challenged him back on some things and it's been a good back and forth we've had good conversations about everything and i was really curious to see where this was going to go and i thought this is a great time to talk about it right now because it's not at the forefront of the media so he is uh a black male he is uh, an employee at the Croc Center. He works in our child watch area. He helps out with Bible lessons. He helps out with our youth group. Uh, he is an assistant pastor at City Life Church here in Grand Rapids. So, and he's been doing this for a while. He's done prison ministry. He's done youth ministry. He's done this for a long time. So, when we listen to this, he's not just coming from a place of, well, you know, maybe he knows what he's talking about or he's just read a few things. No, he's coming from a place where he's studied this and paid attention to it. And before I interviewed him, we talked about where he was at in his studies. Where he was at with this, what, why it was important. And some of the things we ask is why we should pay attention to it. Why is it important to us? Uh, he kind of defines what justice means biblically, uh, which is great. I think it's something that we need to think about. Um, he talks about why as Christians, followers of Jesus... 
and I think as people in general, why we should be concerned about it. Because for some people, it doesn't affect them at all. I'm a white male. I don't get discriminated against nearly as much as Kevin does. He makes good points. And yes, it's uncomfortable. And yes, it makes some of us angry to hear about it. Um, but he uses scripture to point out that it happens. We're part of it. And there's even a mandate. Jesus tells us to love our neighbors as ourselves. And we're all made in the image of God. And that's what I want you guys to remember this throughout this whole thing. We are all made in the image of God. And there are women in the Bible that preach. There are women are an important role in the Bible. Uh, men and women, regardless of their nationality within the Bible, are important. There are plenty of Gentiles that are important. There are plenty, plenty of Hebrews and Israelis and Jews that are important in the Bible. So when you think about it, I want you guys to really... To just think and challenge yourselves and be willing to listen and stretch your mind about what is being said and why is it important in our heads. What does it mean if we're thinking about social justice or speaking about it? Are we just speaking about an ethnicity or are we speaking about an entire system that needs needs to be tweaked? Maybe not completely, but maybe it needs to be overhauled. What are ways that we can help with this? What are ways church followers of Jesus and Christians can do to overhaul a system that's broken, that has been the status quo for a long time, that makes a big deal of something for a while and then just sweeps it under the rug and hope it goes away, Right? These are conversations we need to have. They're not going away. And as Christians, or followers of Jesus, or whatever it is, um, we should be at the forefront of those conversations. We should be the forefront of what's happening in the world. We should be the forefront of making positive changes in the world and showing what those positive changes mean. So for this week, I'm only going to play part of the interview, and I'm going to leave it at a point. But I want you guys to hear that point and hear what it says, and, and listen to what he's saying in those points. I guess the first thing we should start out with is, why, why social justice? Why should the church worry about social justice? Um, for me, the church, I believe the church should worry about social justice because... It is the work of the gospel. It is a deep rooted, a deep fabric, a deep foundation of the gospel. And when I mean the gospel, I don't just mean New Testament. I mean that it's in the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelations. Mm -hmm. Oh, I agree. Um, why would, trying to find a way to word this so it's not mean, but so why should somebody like me who it may not affect personally, right? Mm -hmm. How should somebody that it does, I guess this should be, how does it, somebody who this doesn't affect personally, like, how should, why should they get involved with this? Or why well, should they be worried about it? Well, I think we got to ask, um, is the person a Christian? Are we talking about a Christian person? Yeah, I mean, let, let, let's start with a Christian person. Okay, 
So I want to read um, Isaiah, and we're going to go Isaiah 1, verse 17. I'm probably going to read through the 20th verse. And so if you're a Christian and you believe the Bible is the word of God, inerrant, it doesn't have any errors, it is a true spoken word of God, it says, learn to seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, and plead the case of the widow. So if you're a Christian, your mandate as a follower of Christ is to learn to do justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, and plead the case of the widow. In other words, our mandate is Christians, whether we're a pastor, whether we're a deacon, whether we're an elder, we could just be a member in the church and accuse worshiping. We have the mandate and the responsibility to speak up for those who are being marginalized and mistreated. No, I agree. I completely agree. Um, so I guess the next question is, how would you define justice? Because I think that's the big word that gets that confuses people mm -hmm. or really gets people riled up. I don't think it's the social part. I think it's the justice part. So how would you define justice biblically? Biblically. Being held accountable to your actions according to the way God structured us to operate on earth. So if we have a legal system and someone who doesn't look like me as African-American male commits a murder, that means he doesn't get a privilege of getting a lesser sentence because he doesn't look like me. That means if the, if the standard is 20 years, he gets 20 years. Mm -hmm. Regardless of how much money, regardless of his social status, that's the standard. And that's what justice is. Justice means to be righteous and, 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 and right. I completely agree with that. It's that's a good point. Um, so the big question is, how do we take what happens? Let's start with the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. How do we take the story of the Old Testament and say the Hebrews in Egypt? Mm -hmm. Right? Because to me, I think that's where it really starts. Right? Yeah. Yeah. How do we take that and make that important and impactful to somebody today? Because the modern church really focuses on the gospel and not so much on the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the funny thing is, if you look at the story of Egypt, particularly the story of, of Moses, or the, when, when Joseph is now dead and then the new Pharaoh comes who didn't know Joseph, he specifically says, uh, wow, there are many of them. Uh, we need to oppress them. We need to manage them because if something breaks out, they're going to go with our enemy and they're going to be on their side. Um, one thing to catch this is that they didn't do anything to deserve that perception. Um, and then he, he said he puts a label on. He labels them with his wording. He doesn't have. He doesn't call them dangerous. He doesn't say that they're evil. But with his wording choice and how he describes them as evil, now they have an unwanted label and an undeserved label, right? So if you take that narrative, right, and how he how he sees them, how he treats them, and you go over to Acts ten on Peter on top of the rooftop when Jesus deals with them with food and how he sees them and how he treats them it's the same concept that concept of how do you see your fellow man is not only in the Exodus story but it's in the Acts story which, which is in the Gospels I think that follows throughout the whole Bible so in case you're wondering the, the, the verses in Exodus that, he, that Kevin is talking about when it comes to Joseph and the Pharaoh are actually right away in Exodus 1 and they start at verse Verse 8, and Pharaoh says, Now there, there are 
Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph, and said, Behold those people, the people of Israel are too many, too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply, and if, I, if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore we are set task, taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They are built for Pharaoh, store cities. So what Kevin's pointing out there is the fact that a new king came in, and instead of learning about the people and working with the people, he decided they were just going to become workers for Pharaoh, and they belonged to Pharaoh. Right? Right. Um, so I agree, like, this is a hugely important topic, especially right now, right? What do you think of, I guess part of, I think, what I think is still just as part of the issue that comes up to is we kind of tune out what we don't want to hear, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how would you... How would you go to somebody, maybe not even in the church, right? Mm-hmm. So even somebody outside of the church, and, right. and take this to them and be like, this is just as important to you as it is to me in the church. Right. Um, I, I think, you know, I would ask, I, I guess you have to start asking like questions like, why, why don't you think this is important? Mm-hmm. Like, why not? Why don't you think that we need to be dealing with this issue? Um, because honestly, the old the, the, the saying goes, "Is complicity is, is 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 approval, right?" So if I'm not saying anything against it, I must approve it. And so, but then they'll say, "Well, no, I don't approve it." Well, then are you going to say something about it? Because the reality of the reality is, you know, um, if you have a problem with somebody being hurt, if you have a problem with somebody being mistreated, and you would say it's wrong, mm-hmm. then you wouldn't. My thing is, you wouldn't watch somebody get hit by a car and not call the ambulance. Right. You know, so if you think that that's... And the reason why you think that's important when you see somebody get hit by a car to call the ambulance because your your natural... Uh, the Bible talks about how we know uh, what's right and wrong naturally, right? The natural law. The natural response to you is, I want to preserve that life. You know, and so that's... This issue is just equal to that. You you People are watching... African Americans in this country get hit by trucks and not calling the ambulance. And the ambulance is people speaking out. The ambulance is policy change. The ambulance is accountability. Right. No, I completely agree with that. So I guess what would be, and this is one that we can take in a few different directions, mm-hmm. but what do you see the church's calling? Like, so we've already kind of said that, you know, our responsibility, right? Our mm-hmm. mandate is to help the oppressed and seek justice, right? Mm-hmm. But what I guess what action steps do you think the church should be taking right now? I think the action steps, depending on, I mean, churches, some churches are all over the place. I know I go to City Life where we are, we are big on social justice. We fight that fight. We're trying to diverse. We are big on helping the immigrants. So I think um, the question is, you can ask me, where do they see that? Where, where, where are they, church? Because I think if, if we're just in a bubble and just preaching, gospel 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 well we can't be preaching the gospel and not seeing that god that not only did the prophets deal with it in their day and time not only did uh, before the prophets moses had to deal with things in his day and time specifically with pharaoh um and then you get to the gospels they had to deal with even more social issues in their day and time as well so i think the church should be not only preaching gospel message that feel good but they also should be preaching to the times. 
-hmm. You know, you have to deal with the times. Uh, Jesus dealt with the issues of his time. You know, and so it's almost like what James says. Um, this is another example of the social gospel, uh, social justice in, in the gospels. He says, uh, if you see someone hungry and you and you say, you know, go in peace and eat and keep warm, but do nothing to actually make that happen for that person, what good is your faith? You know, a, a lot of times the church thinks that it's just uh, vertical, right? That it's just straight up and down, me and Jesus. But if they read the gospel, Jesus dismisses that 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 concept and idea when he says, uh, "Love your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and then love your neighbor as, as you love yourself." And depending on how you translate which version you read, he says the second one is equal to it, not under, not less, and equal to. So love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so with that being said. Your love for your neighbor is a reflection of your love for Christ. So that last point that he made, right, the point of love your love your neighbor as yourself, being equal on that of, of of loving God with all your strength, mind, heart, soul, everything you got, love God first, and then love your neighbor as yourself. That's the key to social justice, guys. That's the key to the church. If we're doing those two things. And we're doing those things that we're responsible for, and that includes being responsible for helping the oppressed, the sick, the poor, the widowed, the orphan, the downtrodden, whatever it is. Then we're doing what we're supposed to as a church. And um, a function of your faith in Christ. Mm -hmm. No, I I agree. And so I think we need to churches need to be dealing with the issue, um, and having the higher conversations and really digging into the scriptures. So, follow up. If you were to give specific action steps mm -hmm. to say, we'll just say a white rural church mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. not really diverse, or even an African American church that's not really diverse, right? Mm -hmm. What would you say? How would what action steps would you give them to maybe come together and bridge that gap? Bring some preacher, uh, bring a preacher in that doesn't look like them, <laughs> right? Like, um, and that's that, it's a benefit to that, right? Because we all bring, the text is the text, biblical truth is biblical truth, and how that is expressed sometimes hits a little different. Um, one of the things I had an opportunity to do early last year, uh, October last year, um, was get on a video Bible study, like a Zoom Bible study. It was my cousin who is non-denominational, non-denominational, and then he had some background, some Baptist background, and I had non-denominational and some Baptist background and some Pentecostal background. So we have all these different denominations, which we know that that's not even a thing in the Bible. Um, and then we had a chance to do some studying with some Episcopalians. Oh my goodness, that was just a wonderful time, you know. Um, and what we come to, we and what happened was we were looking at the the passage of the the Ten Talents, and all of us had. Um, a different perspective of how to arrive to this, but we arrived at the same endpoint, which it, w it was all about stewardship. You know, you can have a different perspective, but if you're preaching the gospel, it's going to end in the same place. So I think that one, bring somebody in who doesn't look like you. Um, Paul talks about not letting the small things that divide us get over the little itty bitty things, mm -hmm. because the the reality of it is is that. No one preacher, no one teacher, no one evangelist, no one prophetess, no one 
gift has everything the church as a whole needs. So you have to tap into different gifts to make sure people stay fed and are aware. I like it. That's awesome. Um, what would... I guess, so we, you, you mentioned denominations, right? Mm-hmm. And we know in the Bible denominations aren't a thing. But right. um, what what's your stance? And to me, this is a big deal, mm-hmm. is the church is divided by our denominations. Well, I think... I think we need to get past that. I think that that's been a, a, a sore toe on the body for a long time. And I think when, when we look at scripturally, uh, one of the things I challenge any pastor, any leader in the church to look at is uh, Acts 15, where Peter and Cornelius, they come and they see the Gentiles are having the same experiences they're having. And they say, well, you know, I think Peter's like, no, why would we put these burdens on them? Let's just tell them to do these few specific things. And the, the elders, the elders of the Old Testament and those who are preaching the gospel, which is considered the New Testament, come to agreement. They said it sounds good to us and the Holy Spirit. So although, although those who are from the Mosaic law wanted circumcision and they thought that that was important, it wasn't as important as getting those souls saved and giving them a body of, of community and for them to go forward in Christ. Mm-hmm. So I think we got to really think about, like, eh, you know, are we really doing this thing the way the Bible says? Because I think that that's a great example of putting aside your theological, the, the small theological differences. So do you think, and it's just me thinking, mm-hmm. but do you think if the church should, could show unity across all ethnicities, mm-hmm. do you think that could help be a, a beacon to the world? Yeah, I think that that can help be a beacon to the world. And uh, simply because Jesus talks about unifying, staying unified. He tells the, the, the disciples to stay unified. He prays for unity in the church. And then uh, unity is addressed, especially in Ephesians, I want to say five or so. It, it addresses unity in the, body, and in the body. And, you know, Jesus talks about how can a house uh, divided against itself stands. And in the, same, in the same token, I think if, we're come, we, if we come together, and, and speak biblical truth, and somebody might have a different way. But if we're, if we're driving to uh, North Carolina, somebody might take a different highway. But if we're getting to the same point, preaching the same gospel to the same lost soul, so that the same lost soul can be restored, I think that's much bigger than do we do communion uh, every Sunday or do we do it just one Sunday? Or how do we do communion? You know, I think that that's much bigger than that. Like, I right. think so. I think that sends a stronger message, and right. I think it sends. Um, it helps to have some the Bible doesn't need defending but it helps show that, that we are actually trying to live it out so then how do you think I guess the big how should how do you think the church can be a leader in social justice um one one way I think we can do that is talk preach about it like during the whole stint um I follow some pastors on on, on like social media um and there are some who I follow up um, that are really great, and they, they dealt with it, and it, because it needed to be dealt with, we were in the thick of, thick of things. Don't be afraid to deal with that from a biblical perspective, because it's in it's in the gospel. And so you deal with it. You bring people who don't look like you. You um, you try to um, get your if you have if you have an all predominantly white like a predominantly white uh, congregation try to diversify their reading 
mm-hmm. um, it's a church as a whole. Um, you know, and so I think that those are simple things. But then I think that don't just, and when you jump on board for these type of things, don't just do it because it's popular. Do it because it's the gospel. Right. So that, that leads the next question is, um, what do you think of churches who are doing it right now that wouldn't normally talk about social justice, right, are doing it because it's just the big thing in the news or it's the big thing right now? Yeah. Do you think they're doing a service or a disservice to their congregation? Well, I'm going to take the Jesus approach here, and then I'll, I'll, I'll kind of just answer it like scripturally this way, and then I'll come back around and just mm-hmm. give my personal opinion. But um, the disciples told Jesus, said, we've seen somebody preaching in your name, but they wasn't with us, so we stopped them. And he said, well, no, don't stop them. If they're not against us, they're for us. And then Paul talks about that. Rather, they, he talks about some preach for you know, their own glory. Some preached for money and some preached for for our genuine thing. He said, but whatever the case is, as long as the gospel has been preached, I'm fine with it. So he's looking at that the gospel is getting out and then we can deal with the false prophets and motives later. And so I'm thankful that they're at least talking about it in the moment and then we can deal with why they should continue to talk about it regardless of what's going on in the news. And, um, yeah, I, if you're just doing it to get a pat on the back, then I question, I would question your, your how you really feel about what's going on. Mm-hmm. If, it, if you're only doing this to say, oh, look at them, that they're doing it, oh, and, and look at that. If you're doing it for that reason, I, I would feel like there's some disingenuine, some disingenuineness when it comes to the real concern of the people who are being oppressed in this country. And then that leads to one other question I was just thinking about is, so we'll, we'll, there's obviously the ones that are going to talk about it mm-hmm. because it's the popular thing to talk about, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it's in the news, you have to talk about it. What about the pastors who won't talk about it because it makes them or their congregation uncomfortable? Um, How, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I'm, I'm just thinking, like, last time I checked, being a Christian is uncomfortable within itself. Last time I checked, the apostles, the prophets, the the people who God was using in, in, in scriptures, they were not in comfortable situations. So if you're if you won't touch it because you're uncomfortable, then that's just some God needs to deal with you on because you you want to operate out of comfort, and God didn't call us to operate out of comfort. He called He called us to operate in truth and the grace. So and to preach the gospel. So if you're going to preach the gospel, preach the gospel and do your part. Now, there are some, I will say this, who say that that's a distraction from the gospel. So, I'm going to end it right there on that with the idea of it being a distraction from the gospel. And I want you guys to chew on this idea for a second. If we're meant to share the gospel, if we're meant to follow God's calling when we're called and take those steps to do it, it's an uncomfortable feeling, and I know that because I've done it and I'm doing it, right? Like... We just sold our house. We're getting ready to move to Chicago for two years. We're uprooting our whole family. Like, that's uncomfortable, right? One of the things I learned over my studies at, at uh, Grace Christian was God really puts us in an uncomfortable position, not, not to torture us or torment us, but to grow us, right? I've, I've come to this saying, and it's been in my head, and it's played in my head my entire college career, and it's still there. It's still striking us off. We need to learn to get comfortable being uncomfortable right 
So we're going to continue this conversation next week with the other half of this thing, but I really want you to chew on this. Why are we talking about it? Why does it need to talk about and what's your role and what can you do to further this conversation? Pray us out real quick. Father God, thank you for this conversation. Thank you for Kevin and the uh, amazing answers he gave. Um, and I, we look forward to what's coming up down the road. I just pray that you stay with him and his mission and, the, and this message you've laid on his heart um, and that you allow us to continue this conversation in a, in a way that glorifies you. In your name, amen.